Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 261. Today's episode is all about Formula One. And in case you're a football fan and you don't care about racing, hey, no problem. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about football. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Pickett, the quarterback at Pittsburgh. But today is all about racing. And it was kind of a long day, I'll be honest. I'm not complaining. I had a lot of fun. But I woke up at 6 a.m. I watched the Styrian Grand Prix. And so on today's episode, we're going to do a race reaction, talk about what happened this morning in the race. And then we'll jump into some questions from Patreon and answer some questions from the audience. Should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Um, had a brilliant time with the race. It was really awesome. And uh, you can hear, you know, Britain's already wearing off of me. I'm saying brilliant. Brilliant's not really a word you hear in America very often. To, you know, it's just not, it's more used in the UK. It's what I've learned. It's kind of interesting, but I'm, I'm picking up on it, I guess. I don't know, wearing off on me. Uh, and the more I say it, the more I feel good about it. It's quite fun to say uh, it, just in everyday life. Um, we just had the second Formula One race of the year, the Styrian Grand Prix at Red Bull Ring in Austria. And I'll be honest, the first race of the year last week was a little bit more fun. And I knew last week that the race, the first race of the year last week was a little more eventful than normal. Uh, it's kind of unusually eventful. Now, the second race this week in Austria was, here's an interesting part. There was never really a battle for first place. Mercedes led all 71 laps. They had first place. Lewis Hamilton was in first. Uh, then briefly, when he got a pit stop, Valtteri Bottas took his spot, was in first place briefly. Uh, Mercedes took first place. Lewis Hamilton won. Valtteri Bottas took second place. And then Max Verstappen came up at third. And, um, you know, Max really, and this is kind of a funny, um, I don't even know what the word for it here, but when you say Max maxed out the Red Bull car, it's funny, but it's also true. It's funny, Max is a play on words there, but it was honestly a bit disappointing that Max wasn't able to challenge Lewis Hamilton. You know, Max held second pretty much all race, and then he got chased down at the end by Valtteri Bottas. And the Mercedes car is just better than the Red, Bulls, Red Bull car. It's just got more pace. It does a better job. And when I say that Max Verstappen pushed the Red Bull car to its peak performance, I say that because his teammate Alex Albin was literally at 1.36 seconds behind Max Verstappen with a good pit stop, doing fine. And Alex is not a bad racer. It just shows how talented that Max Verstappen is. He can push a car to its limits like nobody else in Formula One. And he got third place. Really, the fact he held second as long as he did is just a testament to Max Verstappen's talent as a racer. Now, part of why I love Formula One is unlike American sports, you watch baseball or the NFL or the NBA. In American sports, there's a winner and a loser, and that's it. And in Formula One, there's all these battles for positioning throughout the grid. There's a guy that gets first place, but the battles for second, third, fourth, fifth, they're all very interesting. And, you know, I've been really, really hard on Racing Point all year. They copied Mercedes's car. And everyone keeps saying to me that I need to pay attention to Racing Point. And I kept saying, well, they got to prove it, right? They're, they got to earn my respect. I'm not just going to give it to them. I'm not going to hand it over until they earn it. And in the Styrian Grand Prix, Racing Point really showed why they deserve some attention. And in my opinion, they proved, hey, this is a team that's a little bit more legit than I thought that I've been giving them credit for. I've been, a lot of feedback has been fun with the audience back and forth. I say, eh, we'll wait and see. Audience says, hey, you got to believe in Racing Point. Okay, 
Well, today, Racing Point got sixth and seventh. You know, the first four spots went to Mercedes, for you know, one and two. Three and four went to Red Bull. Lando Norris got fifth place with McLaren. But then, hey, Sergio Perez got sixth, and Lance Stroll got seventh. So I see it. Okay, wow. Racing Point deserves to be in the conversation. You have Mercedes up at the top, followed by Red Bull. Then you have McLaren and Racing Point kind of on even ground, battling back and forth. And Racing Point, I believe, has a slightly better car than McLaren. But McLaren just has this rising star, Lando Norris. He's pretty talented and does a lot of really cool stuff. Now, you got to respect what Sergio Perez did today. He started 17th. He finished at 6th place in P6. And to move up 11 spots over the course of a 71-lap race is really impressive. It demands respect. And I think it would be, you know, I've been saying, hey, Sergio Perez will prove it. I've been kind of hard on him. And I think at this point it'd be disingenuous to not give him credit where it's deserved. He, he had a great race today. And I, I really, he drove well. And I, I just, I'm impressed with Sergio Perez. We'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. Uh, one thing that's interesting is some people are saying Sergio Perez could have got fifth place, but he lost it because he tried to make a move and pass Alex Albin. It gave him some front wing damage and allowed Lando Norris to pass him. I think you can't hold that against Sergio Perez. He has to be aggressive there. I'll never fault a guy. Unless it's a total boneheaded move, I don't think that's what Sergio Perez did. Sergio Perez trying to move up and battle for fourth, you know, for P4 with Alex Albin. You got to respect that. I certainly do, even if it cost him a position at the end of the uh, end of the race. Now, I want to talk about what Lando Norris did during that final lap. During the last lap of the race, Lando is in the McLaren, he's in P8, and he jumped up three spots. He passed Daniel Ricciardo, then he passed Lance Stroll, and then he passed Sergio Perez. And he went from eighth place in the final lap all the way up to fifth place where he finished. That's impressive. That's really, really cool. It is worth noting, I talked about it a minute ago, Sergio Perez did have a damaged front wing from trying to pass Alex Albin that hurt his pace and allowed Lando to overtake him. But I don't know. Not only is it really cool driving by Lando. So on one hand, I credit Lando. Wow, what impressive driving. But on the other hand, because of the damaged front wing, I don't hold that against Sergio Perez for losing the position. You know, it seems like I, I don't know. I just I credit a guy for going after. He tried to try. He tried to make a move on Alex Albin. It cost him probably P five all the way down to P six. But I really respect Sergio Perez's race today, and I got to be very honest about that. Now I really hope, and it certainly seems like we're gonna have a lot of fun battles moving forward between McLaren and Racing Point. I really think they're some on somewhat even playing ground. I think Racing Point's got a slightly better car. McLaren's got this young racer, Lando Norris. It'll be really fun. See if Carlos Sainz can push into that battle in the mix as well. And a lot of teams talk about how people, you know, fans and people that I talk to talk about how teams like McLaren and Racing Point, they're midfield teams trying to battle for best of the rest or see if they can get third spot in the Constructors' Cup. And what no one seems to talk about enough is the battle for positioning at the end of a race where you look at Alex Albin. It's pretty clear to me Alex Albin is the fourth best racer between McLaren and, or I want to say, between Red Bull and Mercedes, where, you know, you look at Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and Valtteri Bottas. It's not a knock against Alex Albin, but he's definitely, of all the names I just listed, Bottas, Hamilton, Verstappen, he is at the bottom of that list. And so 
I think it says more about the other three. But I'm excited to watch Lando Norris and Sergio Perez battle with Alex Albin in that right around fourth spot, hopefully the rest of the season. And we'll see if maybe Lance Stroll can put his name in the conversation and be a challenger to that too. Now, one thing I find kind of disappointing, after the first two races of the year, Renault has been just disappointing. The retirement problems have continued. Daniel Ricciardo did finish the race, but it seems like after two races that there's a gap, a pretty wide gap. Not not pretty wide, but definitely a gap between Renault and then the next step up to Racing Point and McLaren, where Renault just doesn't appear to be on the same level. I, I talked about them at the beginning of the year being maybe a team that could push for best of the rest, you know, that fourth position or battle with McLaren and Racing Point. And to this point, Renault has not been very competitive with Racing Point and McLaren. Daniel Ricciardo was in the mix a little bit, but he finished behind both Racing Point racers. And I just, I, I'm a little bit disappointed from what we see with Renault this year so far. Now, Ferrari had another awful weekend. For whatever reason, Charles Leclerc started off the race diving way inside on Sebastian Vettel. He, you know, he knocked Sebastian Vettel's rear wing off. It was literally hanging off. Vettel had to retire after the first lap because Charles Leclerc ran into him for whatever reason. I don't know what Sebastian Vettel saw, or excuse me, what Charles Leclerc saw to dive inside and go three wide on Sebastian Vettel. I don't know what happened there, but not only did it cost Vettel the race, it also made Charles Leclerc have to retire fairly quickly afterwards. And so not only were there no points for Ferrari, they also missed out on an opportunity to judge the upgrades they made to the car. And so really a very costly weekend for Ferrari. Not only that, but their pace seems way behind the other cars at the top. Um, And I think the memes where people say, you know, Ferrari's now a midfield team might actually be right. Ferrari, to me, has always seemed, you know, the documentaries I watch and the things you hear and the articles you read, Ferrari seems toxic. Like, it's a culture with a lot of favoritism and a lot of inner squad politics. And I would not right now want to race for Ferrari at all. They seem to be really struggling so far at the start of the year. And as I look forward to number three, you know, the race number three moving forward, how much are they in the mix? I don't know. I, I, it's, they're a very strong question. Is the Ferrari drama going to continue? If so, how much will it continue? I don't know. I, Ferrari does not seem to be in the mix the way I thought they might be, you know, at, during preseason. Now, there's a couple other storylines I'm looking forward to next week in the third race of the year in Hungary. Uh, Hungary. I want to watch McLaren versus Racing Point. It's super interesting. McLaren's car might not be quite as good as Racing Point's, but I love watching Landon Norris battle with Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll. Um, you know, Mercedes, to me, seems untouchable. I don't think anybody's going to challenge them. I'm kind of disappointed. I thought Red Bull might have an opportunity to, and Red Bull's car does not appear good enough to challenge Mercedes very much, even though Max Verstappen is really pushing that car to its limits. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, but those are the things I'm looking forward to moving forward. Honestly, right now, the storyline I'm most excited for the rest of the year at this point is really, truly McLaren versus Racing Point. Their battle back and forth for points and positioning. Uh, that's the most competitive you know, little battle right now we're having in Formula One. And that's what I can't wait to watch moving forward. All right, guys, I want to now move to some questions from the audience. Remember, I call this Ask Zach. It's my favorite part of the show. It's where I answer questions from the audience. And in case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to, but that baseline dollar a month gives you access to 
uh, submit questions on Patreon. Now, again, please, if you want to give more than a dollar a month, that's awesome. It literally helps pay my rent. But if you, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple to read during every podcast. So the first question of the day is from Andrew. Andrew writes in, he says, so far after two races, oh, what am I saying? Oh my gosh, I'm reading, the, I'm reading my notes. That's so stupid. Andrew writes in, he says, hey, Zach, I hope you're doing well. Got an F1 question for you. What do you think of Carlos Sainz going to Ferrari in 2021 after seeing McLaren's car in the first two races of the year? I'm starting to think maybe that moving to Ferrari could be a bad move to a slower car. And so it does seem like Carlos Sainz is taking a step down going from McLaren to Ferrari next year. You know, these first two races have been really kind of eye-opening about Ferrari and, and honestly about McLaren, how competitive McLaren is and how not competitive Ferrari is. And if you remove the past and all the shine and all the glamour from Ferrari and you look at what Ferrari has done just this year, it's not good. It's a lot of self-inflicted wounds where they have a car that's not keeping pace. We already know about the culture of Ferrari. There's a lot of you know inner squad politics and a lot of favoritism that goes on at Ferrari. And then we saw week one of the, you know, lap, sorry, lap one of the Styrian Grand Prix where Charles Leclerc made just a boneheaded move, dove inside on his teammate to go three wide and he ripped off Sebastian Vettel's rear wing. You're like, what? That's not a good move at all. I don't know what you're thinking. And I got to ask you, do you think that Carlos Sainz watched his future teammate decapitate the car of the guy Sainz is replacing next year and thought, Man, I can't wait for that to be me. I cannot wait to be in Sebastian Vettel's spot. I don't know that Carlos Sainz looks at Ferrari right now and goes, oh, I'm so glad I'm going there. I feel so good about this move. We know that the budget cap is coming. That's going to help McLaren even more. McLaren is rising while Ferrari appears to be falling. And 1,000% it feels like Carlos Sainz right now at this point is going to be downgrading when he moves from McLaren to Ferrari next year. It just doesn't feel good. And I just go back to, you think that Carlos Sainz watched Charles Leclerc in lap one in the steering Grand Prix and went, yeah, I want to race with that guy on my team. Now, I like Charles Leclerc. That was a boneheaded move. He owned it. But everything so far Ferrari's done this year, whether it's retirements or whatever the heck Charles Leclerc did lap one or the car not keeping pace, I don't look at Ferrari right now and go, yeah, that's an attractive driving job I would really want. And on the other hand, McLaren, they are really, they're putting up good pace. They are competitive. They're scoring points. McLaren right now is definitely the rising star while Ferrari is falling. Okay, the next question is from Jack L. Jack L writes in, he says, what are your favorite F1 liveries this year? Now, for Americans who don't know, livery means basically the uniform or the color scheme. I think it's literally the European word for uniform. Where, like, you would talk about a soccer team and say that's their soccer livery or, I guess, their football livery because they call say football in Europe. My point is that it's basically the uniform or the color scheme on the car. And to me, the three color schemes or liveries that stand out the most in Formula One this year in 2020 is, you know, number one. I love Mercedes. The black look is really, really good. 
Uh, Mercedes has had this iconic silver look for a long, long time. And the black paint job this year was more of a move to send a message against racial injustice. Really a cool move. Now, I like the message, but also you got to admit, it just looks good. The black on Mercedes is a really, really slick, really cool look. They got some like pink and uh, teal tints. You know, what are they? Accents that look awesome. And so I love the look of Mercedes this year. They're going to win a bunch, and they're going to look really good while they're doing it. Now, my second favorite car is Red Bull. I just love their color scheme. That navy blue with red is awesome. On Madden created team mode recently, I designed uniforms to copy Red Bull, actually, where, you know, I, I'm, it's funny. I moved the team in Washington to Manhattan, and I tell myself, it's not in the game, of course, but I tell myself that, you know, hey, Red Bull, the company bought a football team from Washington, moved them to Manhattan and called them the Manhattan Red Bulls. And I copied their uniform with the navy blue and that red because it looks so good together, especially on the Red Bull car with that matte finish. I love the livery. It looks really good. Now, number three, I love Ferrari's car. I know it's that classic look, but you can't deny it just looks awesome. That classic scarlet look for Ferrari is phenomenal. So my three favorite liveries in F1 are the Mercedes Black Red Bull's matte, navy, and red, and Ferrari's Scarlet Beauty is just awesome. I love those three liveries. Uh, it's kind of ironic. They're usually those top three teams every year. It's really not about that, but I think they also look really good while they've been successful recently. Okay, Caleb writes in. Caleb says, Hey, Zach, if you were to choose one sport other than football to focus on for your career, what would it be? What is your favorite sport other than football? Pretty clear we're on an F1 podcast right now. Um, I love football. It's my truest love. Football is I, I, it's my favorite sport in the world, right? Nothing will ever, ever replace football. My love of the quarterback position cannot be really even competed with. And I grew up in baseball and basketball. I love the NBA. But I'll be honest, I, I've been having this kind of internal crisis recently. Like, what, what do I love after football? And really... For me, my second favorite sport right now is Formula One. Again, I love baseball. I love basketball. I grew up playing them, but F1 has been taking up so much headspace recently with me where I'm reading about it. I'm writing a ton of notes about it. I'm researching things. I'm watching videos. I'm reading long articles about silly technical regulations and things I never, words I never thought I would care to understand. And so, you know, I made a whole video about why I love F1. But I want to make an analogy here that is that um, you know, John Bellion is my favorite musician. He's an incredible recording artist. And many of John Bellion's fans, not me, but many of John Bellion's fans did not like his newest album, The Glory Sound Prep. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I have to make it. You just listen. And so basically John Bellion said, I got to make music I love. And I can't enjoy the process if I'm not making music I like. If I'm only making music for attention, that's not quite right. And I, I know some football fans that listen to Strong Opinion Sports have gotten annoyed that I'm covering F1. And those people, I really am sorry with their frustration. I feel bad for them, and I, I, I just recommend if you don't like F1 stuff, click away from that. You don't have to watch my F1 content or listen to my F1 content. I try really hard to either put it at the end of a podcast or make entire episodes dedicated to F1. So you can either turn the show off early if it's at the, at the end or skip the entire episode if you don't want to hear it. 
So it's easy to opt out of if you don't want F1 content. But I, I'm making content I love, and that's so important. You know, I have to stay sane, and doing that, staying sane means making content I like. And it's the NFL offseason. There's no games right now in football. And I want to be clear, football is my number one thing. It's my favorite sport in the world, and it's not even close. Nothing's ever going to change that. I'm never going to stop doing film analysis videos. I love football. I've, I've loved football as long as I can remember. But F1 has been really creeping up. It's a new love I have, and I really enjoy that as well. And I want to cover it too. And honestly, I think it's really important to have diversity of content. Here's the thing that no one thinks about. And this is, I, I couldn't do it for only this reason, but you also have to consider F1 is a European sport. It's a global sport. And so by covering that on Strong Opinion Sports, I'm actually really widening the potential audience by covering Formula One. Now, of course, that's not why I'm covering Formula One. I genuinely enjoy it. I couldn't, it's too much work to cover if I didn't truly actually like it. But it doesn't hurt. Hey, there's a lot of people on the globe that all like Formula One. That's pretty cool. It's a gigantic potential fan base. And so I also, again, I go back to this. I got to talk about stuff I care about. I have to talk about things I love. I love sports. I love sports stories. I love sharing sports stories and coming up with angles and talking about little news. Like we have a breaking news story at the end of this episode. It was so fun to do research for that. And again, if anyone doesn't want F1 content, please Feel free to skip away. But for my sanity, i got to talk about stuff I'm interested in. And right now, and I think for the rest of the time I can foresee, Formula One is something I'm very interested in and really love covering and like following. I love watching it. I just, I woke up this morning at 6 in the morning to watch a race that's, you know, got British commentators and they're saying a lot of words I didn't know a couple weeks ago. And it's so fun. It's so much fun. And I really, it's not a phase. I really have been obsessed with this for um, I don't know, six months, ever since December, right around Christmas is when I started watching Formula One and researching and reading about it. And it's just been a passion and an obsession for me ever since. And so I love doing it. I love covering it. And for sure, Formula One is my second favorite sport, bar none. Okay, Jack M writes in, it's a really, really long one. So I'm going to take a drink of water before to read it because it's going to be, it's quite a long question, but it's also really interesting. So Jack M writes in, he says, Hey Zach, I've been a subscriber for the last year, but I finally decided to donate to the Patreon because of your recent podcasts about F1. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, And I'm glad you like the content, by the way. He says, I'm super happy that you've now decided to cover this sport as I'm also an American living on the West Coast, San Francisco, and there really isn't much talk of the sport here. Last week you said you weren't into sim racing, but I think I can change your mind. It's universally accepted that sim racing is not real racing. Not even professional esports racers try to claim that. The reason why sim racing is so popular is because anybody can race in it. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but 99% of F1 drivers come from extremely rich families. Guys like Lewis Hamilton are a rare exception. You can play sports like basketball and football in your backyard. However, sim racing is the closest most fans ever will get to driving an F1 car. Imagine never being able to play your favorite sport. Yeah, there's karting, but it's expensive and takes a whole day to do, as I'm sure you found out. I have. Karting is fun. It's a, it's a hassle. 
and not even a hassle. It's not really. I would imagine that kart, you know, go kart racing in Europe is way better and way different than it is where I live in, you know, Vancouver, Washington, where we have little tiny humble tracks with nobody at them. I mean, you go to my, you go to the local go kart place where I live, and it's only open during the summer, and there's like eight people there max ever. So it's it's a different experience than what I've seen on like. Oh, I forget. There's that channel on YouTube where the guy does go kart racing. It's so good. He does all these onboard camera angles. I think it's called Super GT. I've watched a couple videos. I'm obsessed. It's so great. Anyway, Jack M continues. He says, as a casual sim racer, I just use a PS4 controller. I think it's really fun and way more exciting than you think. The new F1 2020 game just came out. You can create your own team in it, and I think you should try it. Sim racing will also greatly improve your understanding of how traction control, tire management, ERS, DRS, late and early apexes, and short shifting work. My question is, will you buy the new F1 2020 video game on the PS4? I didn't even read the last part of the question. I'm not going to buy the new game probably uh, yet, but I I do want to say a couple things. Um, Jack, thank you so much for writing in. I really appreciate your support on Patreon. I got a lot to unpack there. I'm not a fan of watching sim racing. That's what I meant when I talked about that. Maybe I didn't clarify very well. I, I probably didn't. Um, you know, during Corona's peak in Europe, when everything was shut down and nothing could happen, there was a lot of sim racing Grand Prix on TV. I kept watching them. And I have no interest in watching simulated racing on TV. I just, I don't want that. But being behind the wheel in a sim is much different than watching on TV as a fan. Getting behind the wheel, doing sim racing sounds really, really fun to me. I love that idea. You know, I'm never going to drive an F1 car. I know that. But I could have my own sim set up. And that's really a lot closer to any other opportunity I'll ever have to driving a car like an F1 car. Again, I'm never going to drive an F1 car. But I will say, if I ever have the money and the space to build a cool racing setup, I will. I think it'd be really fun to have a simulated racing setup with... I've seen the really good... I'd, if I did, I'd want to do it right with a really good chair and an awesome steering wheel that's probably built into the wall with three monitors around me. Basically, build a car you sit in. I'd love to do that if I ever have the money and the space to make that happen. It's probably the only way I really want to do it. I don't want to do it cheap where you're like you're on a pedal that moves and slides around as you push on it or I've seen those crappy steering wheels that are like mounted on just a table. It doesn't look good. I'd want to do it the right way and really build it up. But if I ever have the money and space to do it, I would love to build my own racing setup. It'd be really fun. Now, that's not in the cards anytime soon. I, I think I, 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 we'll talk about that in a minute. But, Jack, I thought of the thought of driving in a simulated race environment sounds really, really fun. But I want to be clear. My problem with sim racing is people were selling it like it was Formula One. I went on TV and there were people doing simulated racing with coverage and... You know, it's just the F1 video game, but with commentators and real drivers. And this is weird and doesn't work for me. I'm like, as a fan, I don't want to watch that. I think that makes sense a lot. But again, if I ever have the money and space, I'm going to build a, I would love to experience driving a car like that and learn about DRS, learn about traction control. And I know how Apexes work. I've done it with go-karting, but it's way different. I want to really learn how to do it. I want to play the Forza games with a real proper wall-mounted control. I think it'd be really fun, like a real simulated racing setup. So I'm all in. Again, if I ever have the money and ever have the space, I would love to build a racing setup. Just right now, it's nowhere close for me. Um, I make a lot less than I think people realize. 
yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm very frugal. I am really careful and deliberate with my money, but I don't have the funds to build a cool setup like that. I don't even have the space to do it anyway. Um, but someday, eventually, I would love to have the money and have the resources and the space to build a racing setup. I think it'd be really fun. And when that day comes, Jack, please hit me up. I'd love to race against you in F1 or Forza or whatever. I think it'd be awesome. But right now, it's just not in the cards for me. And um, it's a passion that I, I love. And maybe someday I'll have the stuff to do it right and build a cool setup. Okay, final topic of the day. Got to drink some water first. My throat is killing me. Um, it's already been 30 minutes. Holy crap. Um, Fernando, uh, Fernando, Fernando Alonso. <laughs> Um, Fernando Alonso is returning to Formula One next year with Renault. And uh, Fernando Alonso is a two-time world champion in F1. He won in 2005 and 2006, both with Renault Racing Team uh, driving for them. And here's what's interesting to me. When I heard about Fernando Alonso coming out of retirement to race with Renault, I went, there's no way Alonso's going to be happy with Renault because they're not a great team. They're not really competitive. They're a mid-level team. They're a mid-tier team. But here's the key. Even though Renault is not very good right now, they're a clear midfielder. And I, I, I just, I just I want to be back. I heard this and I thought, why would a guy like Fernando Alonso, with expectations like he has, where with McLaren, he was hard on them, and they fought, and they seemed to argue and not like each other. And why would a guy with really demanding expectations like Fernando Alonso go to Renault again? I don't understand it. Well, apparently, Fernando Alonso has told Renault that for next year in 2021, they're a midfield team. They're going to accept it. 2021 is not the focus. But in 2022, two years from now, there will be new F1 technical reg regulations coming where they're going to have a new ground effect aerodynamic car. And Fernando Alonso's focus is all on 2022. He said, I don't care with where we're at now. I care where Renault is going. I'm like, oh, huh. It's pretty cool. Because he believes when 2022 comes around, Renault can take a step forward in Formula One. So Fernando Alonso's being patient. He's looking at the long-term plan. He's trying to build the Renault team, not from where... You know, he doesn't care about where they're at now. He cares about where they could be in two years from now. And that, I, when I heard Fernando Alonso was going to Renault, I went, ah, oh, come on, that can't, that can't work. But then I heard, oh, that's his approach? Maybe that will work. Because with a new budget cap coming, plus new technical regulations with a different car, two years from now, Renault could be a very, very different team than they are today. Remember, it's not like Renault's never been good. Renault was good in the early 2000s, 2005, 2006. And when Red, when Red Bull won a bunch of championships, they were Red Bull racing Renault. Like, they had Renault engines in their car. And so, again, I look back at this and I think Renault, with new technical regulations with a budget cap could be a very different team two years from now. And Fernando Alonso clearly wants to help build Renault to get them where they're headed, not where they're at now, but where they could be two years from now. And that could work. When I heard this, I was alarmed, but actually when I heard Fernando Alonso explain his approach, joining Renault, I went, you know what? If things work out that way and Renault does improve, he could be happy there. It could work. And I'm very fascinated. I don't really care about Renault next year or even the rest of this year. But two years from now, I'm going to perk up a little bit and go, hmm, have they made progress? 
Are they where they want to be? Because right now in 2020, they're aiming to be better in 2022. Everybody is, of course. But maybe Renault takes a step forward. So I think it's possible that Fernando Alonso does succeed with Renault. Not now, not next year, but in 2022. All right, guys, I want to end the show. Uh, I want to do it the way I always do, to say, which is uh, stumbling over my words. It's been, it's been a long day, man. I've been up since 6 a.m. It's now uh, 8.30 p.m., so it's been a long, long day. Um, four years ago, my younger brother took his life, and I learned two really painful lessons when that happened. Number one, if you're struggling, go get help. Do not suffer in silence. Go talk to somebody, uh, a teacher or a counselor or a professor, whatever you can. If you're struggling, you're having a hard time, Go get help. And uh, if there's no one you can turn to, if you're alone and there really is no one you can talk to, then as a last resort, you can call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. That's a suicide hotline. If there's no one there you can talk to. Now, the second lesson I learned is that, man, please, I'm begging you, go tell the people in your life you love them. Give them hugs, your teacher, your best friend, your girlfriend, your stepmom, your dad, your sister, whoever it is, tell the people in your life that you care about that you love them. Make it clear, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. If you're struggling, you can talk to me. Just be clear. Make the people in your life know how much they matter to you. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Another episode will come tomorrow. A lot of football stuff tomorrow. Going to be really fun. My name is Zach Schaumler. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.